You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, how you doing? Well, here we are. Time keeps ticking. I don't even know what day of the week it is, and I honestly don't. Uh, I could do some math, and I can figure out that a few days ago I was here with my dad. That must have been Friday. But uh, for those of you not clinging to the concept of time, who gives a shit? Here we are with another podcast. Well, the last two... Andrew Peters, I hope you guys enjoyed those. I really enjoyed talking with Andrew. Um, good guy, we'll have him back. And I actually went on his show, The Instigators, with Craig Rivet in Buffalo yesterday. That was a laugh, too. So thank you guys for having me on there. And uh, what else? Uh, Tyler Tyler Morrison is our guest today. Tyler's going to join us very soon uh, as a comedian. He's fucking hilarious. Check out his Instagram feed. I'm not even sure. I know he's on Facebook, but. Um, the more you can absorb this guy, the better. So a few years ago, someone introduced me to Bill Burr. That was probably seven or eight years ago now. And I, same sort of like Bill Burr is, I think probably the funniest on the go now, at least I think, you know, he generates the most laughs while I'm watching. There are others. I don't see Chris Rock much anymore. I don't want to go through the gamut of comedians that I like, but anyway, it was the same kind of effect when I heard Tyler. I was like, whoa, you know, every once in a while there's a comedian, you'll pull the car over just like a song or something and, you know, save this, save this guy, you know, go back in and, and kind of delve into all his stuff. Tyler's a good roaster. Unbelievable. That's not all he does, but I would challenge these, you know, anybody, uh, not me, but to, to, to show me a better one. Um, and, you know, he's done it with Gilbert Gottfried, Ron Jeremy. Um, I know he did one for the Leafs a few years ago, I believe, or the NHL alumni, one of those. In any case, he's a funny guy, and he's got some great stories uh, just about the biz and everything else. And I've, I kind of, uh, you know, I make a cameo appearance <laughs> once in a while into the uh, stand-up world. I'm certain I still don't consider myself a stand-up comedian, but I do some comedy shows with guys like this. Tyler actually flew me up a few months ago in November, and we did Muskoka. We did Allura. We did a, two or three shows that particular stretch because he's got a, he's got a podcast called Fight Stories. So what, what Tyler will often do is, is do a stand-up show. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. I know this is what we do, but he has other fighters on. I'm assuming this is what they do. That he, uh, he'll do a stand-up show, maybe have uh, you know an opener, maybe even one or two people, and then he'll go on. And at the end of it all, he'll bring me down, and he'll kind of set up shop and record it for his podcast. So this is kind of me. And, and, you know, I, I might 
deliver maybe a little bit of stand-up comedy. Usually, when it's with Tyler, it's questions from the audience or questions that he's feeding me, and it's kind of reactionary, um, which I like. It's comfortable. It's, you know, it's always not as comfortable to kind of walk out of the back and, you know, back for popular man. Here's Terry Ryan. You know, and I come out and, you know, you're, hey, what's the deal with referees? You know, I, I certainly <laughs> I can do that, but. More respect to the comedy guys that can do it. And you know what? I'm going to tell you a story. I'll tell you a fucking story now. So Ken Reed is a good buddy. As mo any of you listen to this or hear me talk, you'll, you'll know that by now. So Ken, <laughs> he was on a show the other day called uh, Over My Dead Body with Pat McDonald. So, uh, and apologies because... I tweeted this out, and I thought the podcast was hosted by Ken's brother, Peter. Uh, in any case, um, yeah, Peter, and I did hang out with Peter. Peter's a stand-up comedian, like I said. So I was up there that summer, 2016, and I, you know, I hung out with Peter a little bit. I remember a couple nights. Um, and, and, you know, Tyler Morrison, my guest coming up, introduced me to Rob Pugh, Michelle Shaughnessy. Uh, Peter was friends with, you know, the point being they embraced me, that community, and I really was much in need of being embraced because it felt cold at the beginning. You know, I was getting given this chance. A lot of stand-up comedians, you know, they try the open mic, you know, it takes them years to get to the point that they're at yuck yucks in front of a crowd, let alone opening up for Jerry D in front of four or 5,000 people, right? That might never happen. So I knew I was lucky that way. And I also know that they're funny than me. They're definitely funnier than me. They've been working at it. You know, they can interact with the audience. I'm a one trick pony, but I do know hockey and you know, Say what you want. I don't care what, who you are. You know, you can't talk about fighting Tidomi at center ice because you never did it. And you don't know what it's like. But in, in a place like Toronto, people like that. But again, so when I get up there, it's usually like entertaining stories for hockey fans if you so happen to be one. And, you know, there might be a laugh sprinkled in amongst the story that, you know, is almost informative, really, for a hockey fan. Whereas these guys are up and they're, you know, they're knocking off jokes every 20 minutes or sorry, every 30, 20, 20, 30 seconds. So anyway, this one day, um, and I'm practicing because I need to practice and I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this one uh, story, uh, this one gig, uh, sorry. Um, yeah, really. It's, I mean, it, I made it into a chapter of my, of, of my new book, so the public hasn't seen it, but it, it's a story about fighting Cam Russell and playing on the fourth line. It was my last NHL shift. And looking back, a lot of funny things happened in that story. So I, I, it was an easy layup that I could go on stage and at least entertain people. And I tried to, you know, the, the Domi story, the knocking my teeth out with a hammer, the Mike Milbury story. These are all, like, when I say stand-up, quote-unquote, like, that's my stand-up. So a lot of my listeners, you guys have heard the stories ten fucking times. Right. It's just you get up on stage and I knew that they could work because they're a package with a punchline and I go off and at least people are smiling. Um, but. In uh, in this case, so it's like, I don't know, let's say July, it's 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 a hot, beautiful day in Toronto. And I'm say I called Yuck Yucks and, you know, if there's any room, I'll go on tonight. So they let me on and they're friends with Jerry. I don't you, you don't just call Yuck Yucks and let you on. They knew that I was doing this stand-up tour with them in Canada. So, and I was opening for them. And, I, and you know, they're pretty loyal to Jerry. You got to start there, I think. Hmm. 
And a lot of people I mentioned just then, you know, uh, Michelle Shaughnessy, Tyler, you know, Rob Pugh, they, they do some work with Yuck Yuck. So I knew people on the inside for lack of a better way to explain it. So I called and I said, yeah, I'll come on tonight. And I really didn't want to do this again. It really makes me nervous. But um, I said, fuck it. So uh, there was a few people in town. Some Newfoundlanders were in town. Pat Wadden and Sean Kane, I remember. And they're pretty good friends from home. I remember that specifically. And Ryan Graham is a real good friend. And, uh, you know, I, I watched Ryan grow up. Uh, he's about 10 years younger than me, but um, friends with the family and, and just a great guy. And he played a lot like I played. I really respected him. And as a matter of fact, if you go to YouTube in senior hockey, Ryan, Ryan and I got in a fight. I played for Clarenville. He was with Mount Pearl. And Ryan, uh, <laughs> he's like, I don't know, 10 minutes left. He's like, yeah, let's just get out of here. Let's fight and get out. I was like, wow. He's like, I'd love an opportunity, actually. That's what he said. I'd love an opportunity to see how we could go. And he stood in there. We did all right. You know, we, 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 we went at each other pretty good. I think I got the upper hand, but it was ballsy of, of Ryan and he's a good pal anyway. And, 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 you know, the, the Newfoundlanders that I hang out with are never too far from, from there. So when I go to Toronto, uh, that's usually the first thing I do. So Ryan had never seen me do stand up, and he's a funny fuck too. And I was kind of on a roll because um, wherever I was doing this, it was going over pretty well. Uh, not great, but again, I'm not a stand-up comedian. So I was holding my own. And uh, anyway, I knew this fucking idea was a bad one. But we went, to the, uh, we went to the Blue Jays game earlier that day and had a few beers. And so I go over to the club. Now, I'm just starting to gain a little bit of confidence. And I know that I'm going to go on at some point. And I also know at this point I can't go on sober. I can do that now. But at the time, I'm like, I got to be shit-faced to get up there. So I didn't mind. And that's, that is, I shouldn't say shit-faced, but the first few times I was, um, for, you know, um, Jerry encouraged me not to. Not, not that I was being, just, just it was for nerves. Um, nothing else. So I got it to a point I smoke like I got a one hitter of weed. It joints too much. I smoke a little puff of that and maybe have like a shot of rum or something. And then I go out. That's what I do now. So uh, at this point, though, maybe I'd had six or seven beers, but I was in a good, I was actually, that wasn't the problem. So I get up there, they announce, boom, again, announce my name, but a lot of people don't know who the fuck I am, right? So I got to get up and kind of take them through a story. So, and it's really quick. You don't want to get up there and, and like you're talking down to people. And often when you, when you, were, when you had a, a dabble with fame, it might seem like that. I remember Jerry, I think he said to me, he's like, you know, a, a guy like Louis C.K. Or, or Jerry Seinfeld, you know, they deliver, but like Alec Baldwin isn't always funny because he's, he's funny on Saturday Night Live, but his stand-up show, you know, he's a good looking guy. He's up there. He's talking about whatever it might be. You know, I, I'm not saying I'm, great looking or anything either but if you go up hey I, I played in the nhl it's not really relatable because you're not relating that you you know okay i didn't right but if you if i get up there and, and talk about the story in a way of you know I'm a, I'm a fan and really that's true i'm not stretching anything there if i get up and i can relate to them you know I, hey so i usually get up and say hi i'm terry ryan i'm separated i got a folklore degree and i'm the biggest bust in the history of newfoundland sports right and then you got them um, at least their attention Still gonna have an act. So, and normally then I'll go into something again, half self-deprecating, but real that happened, uh, or maybe an observation or whatever it might be. Usually, again, there's stories. The one where I knock my teeth out of my head with a hammer is always at least amusing. But I got to get away from telling the same stories all the time too, right? Because that's the other thing. If someone sees, they, someone can see a stand-up act once or twice, three times. You know, you could listen to Jerry Seinfeld's Comedy City over and over again. 
But once you've heard a story and you know what the punchline is, you're not really going to be amused the second time unless it's littered with laughs. So, yeah. So the, I, I try to go to the uncomfortable places to, to see what would work, and it's the only way to do it. So I was honing up this story. I was, I was really cleaning it up or editing it, I guess you could say, um, and, and trial and error. So I went on stage, and I'm talking like I am now. I'm fucking rambling, right? The story hasn't really gained any momentum because I'm digressing all the time. So that's what I'm doing. I get up there and I say who I am. People are laughing and I get into like something at the beginning that wasn't really planned. Again, there's like six or seven people that are going on at Yuck Yucks that day. And I'm like three or four. I'm the third or fourth. So I'm getting into the story, which by the way, like you need the punchline and you at least need the second half of this story. If it's going to even amuse, otherwise it sounds stupid. So that's exactly what happened as I'm telling the story and I'm not going to tell the specific act. I'll maybe refer to it another time on here, but as I'm telling it, the red light comes on. So I, I don't even know what the red light is. I, I guess it's to warn comics when you're, it gives you like, it's like the 10 second warning or something. And I have no idea. I've never seen that in my life. I've, I've just gone up with Jerry. It's not there. I, I should say to this point, I've done maybe, uh, you know, 10, not even, I've probably gone on stage six seven times so and the red light has never come on I, i've told the story and i've gotten the fuck off the stage but now where I'm, I'm trying to spread my wings and i'm getting a little bit i won't use the cocky but, word cocky but i'm getting more confidence right i'm spreading my wings boom let's go I'm, I'm telling more jokes i'm fitting in some stuff in between i'm observing in any case in any case i'm not even halfway through the story i'm just setting it up like the setting no one has laughed in like four minutes not even a peep, but I know that the last part, you're at least going to be amused. Well, fucking lo and behold, this light comes on and I'm going, what? And then my mic is going, goes off at the end of it or sorry, no, the, the red light. And, and anyway, I'm, I'm don't listen to it. I just keep going. I fucking ignore it. And so it keeps coming on again, again. And then Pat's over there. So I just found out from listening to this podcast over my dead body with Ken that it's this this host was the guy on, on that was cutting me off. So I looked over at him. He's like, you know, you got to get off the stage. He said, and I said, no, do you guys want me to get off the stage? I looked at the crowd and they're like, no. So I looked back over. I said, dude, I got to finish my fucking story. I'm up here. I'm a storyteller. And he says, no, you got to get off. He said, uh, hey, he goes, fans, I bet Terry never saw red light in his NHL career, which I didn't. <laughs> and uh, He's like, so he probably doesn't know what the red light means. And I'm going, fuck. You asshole, but I'm trying to make a joke out of it. But really, literally, they're pushing me off the stage. It's like the, at the Oscars when the, when the music comes on. So anyway, I got to get off. It's terrible. And it's the only show outside of one fucking show. The first one I did when my buddy Zach O'Brien and uh, a bunch of other hockey community were there uh, because it, they kind of found out. I think I tweeted it maybe that day or something, but. So that first show I did, there was people. But on this one, man, it was the only time that I had people from Newfoundland, a significant amount, my friends in the audience. It was poison. It's one of the most embarrassed times I've ever been in my life. Ryan Graham does it. He's like, oh, man, you were pretty good. I came down to Pat Wadden is like, oh, yeah, man, that was pretty good. I'm like, no, I know it wasn't good. I know it wasn't good. I like you guys. I didn't even get to the punch. It was fucking poison. People are looking at me going, why is this guy at Yuck Yucks? It was the worst. I don't care what 
stand-up comic can tell you they went through their worst time. Their stand-up comedies, they're doing some material that worked. This was an absolute bomb, an embarrassment, nothing. There were some people up there that were laughing. I'm sure it was just at me rambling. Because once the light came on, like there was still another two or three minutes of me going back and forth. Like I got the mic. And then I'm like, what am I doing? I'm arguing with this guy at Yuck Yucks, and I'm not even a staunch, accomplished comedian. I didn't want to seem cocky, but in order to save face, I had to kind of try something, and then I went that route. Well, I tell you this. I think it was the last time I ever got up on stage at Yuck Yucks, I believe. Uh, so in, in, in the interview with Ken, Pat's talking about it going, I don't think he was too happy. Dude, I talk about that story. It's part of some acts I do now. It is part of my comedy show. I, I looking back, it was fucking hilarious, but it, I don't challenge anybody to find me. Anybody that's bomb worse than that. Ryan, uh, all my friends, you guys were nice. I appreciate it. But it, Pat mentioned to Ken, he's like, uh, in the interview, he's like, I don't think Terry liked it that much, man. He was pretty pissed off at me. No, dude, that was a great line. That's why you're a comedian and I'm not right. I don't know if you ever saw that red light before. Cause that was spontaneous. I can be spontaneous when I'm on here, when I'm on stage, man. It takes practice, and that's what I was doing. I was trying to practice being spontaneous. In any case, it was a fucking red, rotten performance, the biggest bomb of anything I've ever done, and I've bombed at some major things. I've bombed on the ice, uh, on the stage, behind the mic, whatever it might be. I'm terrible. I've done some terrible things up there. This was the worst. This was the bomb of all bombs. In any case, that's life. <laughs> And uh, actually, uh, I'll, I'll explain a bit of the aftermath after. I won't take up any more time now with that. But Pat, uh, I didn't mind it at all. Pat McDonald over my Dead Body podcast. There you go. There's, my, uh, there's one of my stand-up com comedy stories. I got Tyler Morrison coming, down, coming on shortly. Get the fucking marbles out of your mouth, Terry. And I look forward to it. Okay. Here we go. Ladies and gents, it gives me great pleasure to introduce my next guest, who is one of the fastest rising comedians in the country and has, has appeared at Massey Hall, Just for Laughs, the Atlanta Laughing Skull Festival, amongst other respected venues. Tyler Morrison is arguably the best roast comic in the country, and his victims have included Gilbert Gottfried, Ron Jeremy, Jim Norton, the NHL alumni, and the Toronto Raptors. He is a cosmic comic, a radical redhead. A funny freckle face, a jubilant joke teller, a cool cat, an Okie from Muskogee. Need to laugh and feel shit out of luck? Tune in to Ty. He's funny as fuck. When I, eat, when I eat eggs, I enjoy the yolk. And boy, this dude can tell a joke. Tony Montana, love the coca. And my next guest is the king of Muskoka. I don't know what key to sing this chorus in, but who cares, folks? It's Tyler Morrison. <laughs> Well, right. thanks, Terry. I, uh, I've never had anyone serenade me like that before, buddy. <laughs> no problemo. That's it. I couldn't, uh, couldn't cling in the NHL, but I can uh, write a rhyme. How you doing? <laughs> Good, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, man. It's the same shit for, for a guy like you before we even start, and everybody's aware that COVID and all that, without, without going through the whole making people aware of what we're all already aware of, what have you been doing to kill the time? I'm guessing for a comedy writer, this is probably not bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, excusing, uh, excusing the death. I don't, 
I'm not downplaying <laughs> that. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead. Oh, I get it, man. Yeah, it's been. Uh, yeah, I've been writing some stuff. It's 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 uh, hard to get motivated to write stand up though because we don't know when we're going to be able to do the jokes on stage. Um, but I've been I've been working on podcasts. Like I, I have my podcast, Fight Stories, and uh, we've been uh, you know getting that all all geared up again and. Yeah, you know, lots of fun times with the kids. I got two young daughters, and uh, so my wife and I are doing lots of, you know, outdoor stuff with them when it's nice. And yeah, so it's been good family time. Otherwise, my, I was I was on the road for a while there, and then my tour ended right as this thing started kicking off. So I was already kind of planning to be home for a bit. Any, uh, and I really don't know the answer to this. I follow along with you, but there's so many people doing like virtual concerts and everything. it's great but i'm kind of sick of it but uh you know I, I just want the real thing we're human mm -hmm. and i i'm not saying that we need it right now because we can't i'm certainly not i'm not one of those people that would yeah. be in philly running the liberty running up to the liberty bell with fucking machine guns i'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying that i'm saying i can't wait for i can't wait for the fucking vaccine right yeah it'd be nice for for the the fog to be lifted here and you know get back to get back to the way we were um, but, uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, but like for you then, what are you doing any virtual? I, I, I got to think there's a way for a comedian to keep a living. Yeah, online. people watching your do you do virtual shows? There's a there's a thing that uh, that I'm kind of part, teaming up with a couple guys to do some uh, live like virtual uh, roasting and stuff like that. So I can do like customized roasts for people and 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 I think that's fun. It's stand up. You really do need the crowd. I think. To do yeah, wow. yeah you know? and I, I, <laughs> I'm watching some of these shows and the monologues, like, I don't know if it's Colbert or John Oliver, whatever it is, I find it really odd with no studio audience. It, it's, yeah, I, I just, I don't think, I don't think I can get used to that, um, but I am doing a roast tournament. It's a coast to coast roast and it's a city, like city to city uh, roast battle. So I'm going up against um, Detroit. I'm representing Toronto. So I'm myself and Jeez. another comedian, Rob Mayhew, we're repping Toronto and we go against uh, two comedians from these different cities. Our first one's Detroit. Then we have um, Cleveland, Minnesota and Buffalo. So all easy targets. It should be fun. And we just, how did you get into city. that? You, and you are, I wasn't exaggerating because a lot of times my intros are almost <laughs> fictionalized cartoonish, but I'm not kidding. He, Tyler really is. One of the best stand-up, uh, at least roasters, and stand-up, but roasters, you're very, very well known for that. How did you get into it? So the roast thing was, uh, I remember one of my buddies who's a comic named Jason Blanchard. He, was, he used to run a room in Toronto, like a weekly my open mic show. And he, was, he ran the room for a couple years. It was a great room at Fox and the Fiddle. And it was closing down. I guess his show was, was ending. Someone else was going to take it over. So we decided he wanted to do a roast of him. And he invited his friends to come on and roast him. And I went on and I guess it went pretty well because people were talking about it afterwards. And then the next time there was a roast event that was happening in Toronto, another comedian who had heard that I was good at that added me onto their roast. And it just kind of built from there. Each time I went up, it would, uh, would go better and better. And, and I built a little bit of a reputation for being able to write, you know, pretty vicious and, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, concise roast jokes. Do you, yeah, I love them. Do you get any kickback? And I, I, whenever a comedian, for example, comes to town, I can't remember who it was, but about four or five years ago, there was a bit of an issue here. And I, some lady called in open line and brought it up. And I'm like, you know, you got to expect, 
that these people are up there. You know, it's a comedy show. So oh, yeah. roasting, roasting, you're being direct, but even some of your regular material is a little bit, it treads the line. Do you get much push, much pushback? I get a little bit. Yeah, there's, it, it, it depends really. But I've made a few people cry. I've made at least 10 people cry at shows. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I, did, uh, I have a stand-up special that I just, that I just recorded. And uh, there was, I think I walked out at least 20 people out of the room. And they had to carry a guy in a wheelchair out of the, uh, out of the oh. cl- comedy club. It's a basement comedy club. So they, had a, they, they only had stairs. They had to carry him out. And then this old guy, he flipped out and he's screaming at me. And uh, like security didn't come and kick the old guy out because they're dealing with like 20 people that were storming for the exits already. So it was a, it kind of created a bit of pandemonium. And then uh, the reviews were, <laughs> I got a, a Yelp review from a woman who, you know, she didn't really like the show too much. Actually at the end of the show, as I'm walking off stage, you can see it in the special as I'm coming off stage, the old guy in the front row, he says something to me, so I, I blow air kisses at him to to taunt him, like a bad guy wrestler. And you can see him flip me off. The middle finger comes up, and the camera just zooms in on his middle finger, and that's how the special ends. So, it's, yeah, I do get a few people, um, you know, that get upset about the jokes. But, I mean, ultimately, it's just comedy. If you go to a comedy show, you should be totally open to – different ideas that may not be something that you're used to seeing on TV. Why would you go to a live show anyway? If it, you know, when I do a show in a club, I want it to be something that you can't experience sitting at home. Right. I completely agree. It's one of those instances where I find like the negative voices are just so loud. Like 99% of the people love it. Right. Love it. But someone will see that guy getting carried out in a wheelchair they, and you yeah. just and you're up there with the, with the mic, and then some other guys yelling. At it. it just makes for for bad scene, but it's two people. Um, and anyway, I, I truly believe that you should keep doing it because that's what people love about you. I leaned into like the wrestling villain vibe. From it was from <laughs> from doing roasts because when I was doing stand up before, like I was I was doing okay, like I was doing well with the crowds and the jokes. I thought were good, but my persona would, was never really like as rock solid as it is now. But when I would do a roast, I would go in there and I was usually the least known person on the show. They'd always have bigger name comedians or, you know, and some celebrities and stuff. So I would go in and just treat everyone on the show during the show, not backstage, but like at the show, I would act like I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care if you're Gilbert Gottfried and you're a legend. Like I treat them like they're nothing to me. And I'd be like, my, my mindset going is I got to be the biggest bully on the block. It's probably like when you go out and you got to fight someone in hockey. You just, you got to level up, right? You have to. So, so I just went in and I remember the, the Iron Sheik roast in Toronto. They brought me into that. And I, I was the most, you know, unknown, undecorated comedian in terms of credentials. So what I did when I started is I just listed off everyone, every comedian that was like a big name there and their credentials, and then I go, and I'm Tyler Morrison, homeowner, because <laughs> none of those fucking guys own a house, right? <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> fucking fantastic. They're just like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> that's a parallel, though. You know, that's, it, it's no different than, you know, I, I joke about, I've, I've been on your show and talked about fighting Ty Domi, but, that, you know, there, there's, there was more tough guys. That's the story that stands out, but 
Mm-hmm. If we were playing, say, Philadelphia and Frank Bailoas is there, that, that's kind of why I would fight him. I figure there's no losing here. Like, yeah. he, I might as well just go for it all. You know, I'm, I'm not yeah, really I, on his level as a tough guy, but watch this, right? Yeah, so I had nothing to lose going into those events. Nothing. You it always nothing put me lose. up first, which is a sweet spot because you get the fresh room. No one's made any of the jokes about anyone yet, so you can hit all those, you know, sweet spots first. And well, set the tone, which I, I always like that. I, I like that or I like closing, going right before the guy that's getting roasted. Um, because, you know, that's the kind of like the headliner spot. And, you know, that's just it's a respect thing. If you're if you're at the end and and they put you at the if if you're the guy that they put on at the end, then you know, you know that you're getting respected from <laughs> from the room. Yeah, but you know, that's for sure. But I'm curious, Ed, I'm really am. Mm-hmm. Not to blow you and bake you a pie but you're you're real <laughs> funny like I, I find your stuff funny it's usually the cream rises to the top and in comedy i find there's more people in comedy that are undiscovered that i love like usually music will make its way to me okay but like yep. say say randomly sam listen to the joe rogan podcast yes there's a lot of people that you, you don't even know who they are on there and you're like whoa geez and then, then you'll get into him or her and you can't even get it on netflix or it's like really rare yeah. on youtube but and I'm like, where are these people when they're, they got their niche in their little place, whether it's Austin, Texas or Toronto or Vancouver. Yep. But I figure comedy is so universal and, and it's hard. What is it that's hard about the biz? What, what is it? Okay. So I feel like in the last, um, I guess, seven or eight years, comedy's really turned that corner into the, the you know, less, less jokey, more wokey. Everyone wants to, wants a woke comedian. Except Great for the way audience, to put it. Except for the audiences. The audiences still love the raw, you know, dark, funny, fearless comics that are going to talk about anything and don't give a shit. Like those are the, those are the com- look at the biggest comics in the world. Really, most of them are edgy comics. Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, you know, all those guys at, at the top of the mountain. They, you know, they broke a few eggs to get there, right? But you yeah, see these. Right these uh, comedians that are getting put forward by a lot of, uh, you know, industry people and not to beg on the industry, but you know, there's been some questionable choices and all you have to do is go on one of those videos that they put up on, you know, what on their Facebook or social media and read the comment section and what the fans are saying about these comics. And they're just running these guys into the ground for being shit. Wow. But, you know what? Good good that you said that. I've never looked at the comments. I've wondered. I don't want to pick on yeah. anybody in particular. No, no, no. On either. Netflix, and I'm like, half of these people, I wouldn't go to fucking Sundance to watch. Or yeah, that's my- a bar here in town. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, there's so many good comedians. What are you putting this guy on stage for? But in Canada, yeah. in Canada, there's very few industry positions, I find. There's just not as much industry. So instead of the competition that America enjoys uh, Canada is, you know, people got to protect, they're almost protecting their jobs. So they'll make the safe play and put forward someone that maybe checks a, a diversity box or, you know, makes them look safe. They're not going to, I don't blame anyone in Canada in the industry for not, you know, taking a gamble on me. Like that's protect your job, I guess. But if there was more industry in Canada, there'd be more people competing. They'd have to compete. Instead, people are just playing it safe. And ultimately, 
that's uh, it's hard to blame, you know, to blame anyone when, when the industry is so small here, but in America, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's more competition. So you do see some, some edgier comics get ahead. True. And uh, I don't think I'm being Nostradamus when I say I think the pendulum is going to come back the other way. Oh, no. The, the swingback's happening already. If you look at guys like Andrew Schultz, who, you know, he mm. he had a lot of doors closed in his face with his stand-up, and he just started putting it out there, and people found it, you know? And that's yeah. like a, a prime example um, of a guy who went and, you know, kind of manifested his own destiny. Cats pounce, snakes slither, and eagles soar. What does Tyler do? Fucking all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever I got to (laughs) do. I'm an adaptable. You're a survivor. Yeah. (laughs) Are you you in Muskoka now, by the way? I am. I'm in my garage right now in Bracebridge, Ontario. Oh, okay. Yes. Bracebridge. Yes, of course. I, I didn't realize it could be the, the sign threw me off. Not that oh, anybody yeah. can see we're, we're only posting this on audio, but, uh, <laughs> so if you could change the last name of any leader in history to the last name of any modern day pop culture icon, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a good question. Let's um, say N- Napoleon, uh, Nolte, Napoleon Nolte, say, you know, from Nick Nolte, say, say Napoleon with a bit fiercer of a look, you know, there's a reason. <laughs> I'm Jesus, to... Jesus Garfunkel. Yeah. <laughs> no, something, bring him down to earth a little bit. Who, who, what, what would you, what would you pick? Maybe we ch- change Justin Trudeau to, um, let's see here. Oh, fuck. This is a tough one, Terry. <laughs> caught me That's off it. guard. Because um, <laughs> it's a fucking ridiculous question. That's why these are questions. You know when when I'm you know when I came up with that question was when just now. Night. So during the day, I have like the, the weed that I smoke for the most part is called Penelope, and it really only takes away. It's mostly <laughs> CBD. It takes away anxiety. But then at night, I pop the White Lightning or or fucking whatever it is, uh, Balmoral, I think it's called. It just pump it into me. It's like 25% THC. Yeah. And I was playing GTA, and every time I play GTA, I, I go into the casino for a little bit and ride the ponies. Play the ponies. <laughs> and I'm so stoned, and I just think of these questions in between while they're running. So I forgot that I even came up with that one. Oh my fucking God. ridiculous. And anybody. Um, yeah, I don't know what I would do there. Let's... Do you want to come back to that? Yeah, let's come back to that. Okay. Uh, would you rather bear berries with a beer over a beer or hear Harry hallucinate here? So in one case, you're next to a stream. <laughs> you can have a beer with a, with a, with a black bear. Okay. And, and some berries, I guess. I think that was just alliteration. But you can have a beer with a black bear because he's going to yep. sit there. But you got to be cautious, but... He's not going to freak out unless you do something stupid. Okay. In the other case, there's a dude named Harry, and he's all fucked up on LSD, and you can just sit there and listen to him hallucinate. I mean, I gotta have a beer with a black bear. It's God. a better. I think it's a better story. <laughs> good, good answer. That's what I would have picked. It'd yeah. be entertaining to hear Harry hallucinate, but when it's done, it's done. But you could always yeah. say, "I had a bear with a black bear." I'd love to have that story for when Harry is hallucinating and tell him that 
and then blow his fucking mind. <laughs> Good answer. What's the has been the peak of your career so far? Peak of my career. That's uh, I've done a cu- I've had a couple really cool experiences. I gotta say, opening for Doug Stanhope. And normally, I wouldn't pick opening for someone as like a career pinnacle or anything like that. But Doug Stanhope, I think, is the best. Um, maybe the best of all time. He's in my top three for sure. Where was it? At in Toronto at the Danforth Music Hall. Oh, so okay. it was. It's a nice big venue, and uh, this you know Stanhope's the one of the best of the best. And getting asked to do that to open for him was uh, was huge. When I got that phone call, like I, I'm not gonna gonna lie to you, I was fucking stoked. Like there's a few times where you know you get something and, and you, something comes your way, and you're just like, yes finally something you know good is happening and that was a great experience and and getting to um you know get in front of his audience because his audience there's people who like this type of comedy in canada but they come out to see the american guys because canada has never really pushed dark edgy comics so when american comics who do my brand of comedy or like a similar brand of comedy come into town they have big audiences so if i get a chance to open for them that's just as valuable to me as doing you know something on cbc like it really is because it just those people come out to my shows now you know it's like a direct you know commercial for what i do so it was it was a really cool experience he's such a nice guy and really funny and getting to see his act um just from backstage unbelievable so you figure that that helped with your delivery and everything. I mean, you gained from experience, you know? Yeah, I don't, like, I don't know if it helped for my delivery because I was already kind of, you know, batting where I'm at right now when that happened. But it just helped in terms of, like, it was a just... Just a cool awesome, experience. An awesome experience. And, yeah, and just, it, you know, people notice when you get to, to do shows like When that. did you, when, okay, when did you grow into your current body uh, when it comes yeah. to being a comedian? I'd say probably like 2017 is when I really started clicking with it. I mean, I've been doing this since 2002. I started when I was young. My, I put out my first album when I was, I would have been 28. So it was, yeah, I think it was 2012, 2013. And uh, from that first album, things started like getting, I started getting better and better and better. And I just noticed it like the, um, the evolution of what, what I've become on stage. That's kind of the pinpoint where I started really honing in on what I'm doing. But if you go back and look at that first, that first album and, and watch the video to watch the new one that I, that just, you know, is uh, that I'm about to put out it's night and day. Um, but it, those, that, you know, eight year period has just been really the most growth I've experienced in my career has been in that, um, that window. I find having tried everything and I'll never say, you know, I, I've, I've tried stand-up comedy again, kind of explained earlier <clears throat> before you came on there. I consider myself a storyteller. I can amuse people. If you happen to be a hockey fan, great. Um, but there's probably going to be minutes of silence and then, you know, maybe a punchline. Uh, but I find when I, when, whenever I do stand-up comedy, the, the improvement from one show to the next is crazy. And I, I from everybody, even from watching. When I was in Toronto in 2016 there and I was kind of doing the circuit, I was just practicing wherever I could. It was uncomfortable. But I would watch people that were kind of on my level and then, you know, you, it, Jerry would, D would tell me to record things. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, 
And then, you know, because you can, there's so many times, for example, just scratching the surface that the audience will laugh and you're like, whoa, I didn't expect it there. Make sure mm-hmm. to keep that. Or, or, you know, your opening or your closing or just even bantering back and forth and having the confidence to chat with someone in the audience and make it amusing so you don't ruin the show. I yeah, found exactly. it amazing. Each time there's something major, major, major that happens. How did you get into it? You were real young. And mm-hmm. did you, you, was there anything discouraging? I got discouraged a bunch of times. The only reason you, you invite me up and we do our thing. And now, now I've gained somewhat of a base that people will come see me. But I was discouraged a lot. Did you get discouraged? I said, yeah, definitely. There's, there's lots of things that can, can discourage you in comedy. It's, it's, you know, you got to get used to hearing no. You got to get used to being rejected. I think when I started out, I did start out pretty strong for a new talent because I was, my writing was, uh, was my X factor. That really kind of put me ahead of other younger comics early. But my performance didn't catch up till, to my writing for a long time. So it took a long time to do that. But when I got into the Boston Comedy Festival very early in my career. So I would have been two years into stand-up. I got accepted into the Boston Comedy Festival, which at the time was, you know, George Carlin headlined it the year before. And then Joan Rivers was headlining the year that I was there. So it was Good well God. attended with some with some big acts and that's, you know, in America, these festivals are also competitions, especially at the time. And I think it's like a $10,000 grand prize if you win it. And I went in, I, I lost first round. I was out, but you uh, still did it. Yeah. And I made some waves. I was doing some edgy material and people definitely noticed it. And I ended up getting signed to, um, it's like I picked up representation down there. Agents wanted to, they, they signed me out of the States and uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff in the works, you know, all the, all that shit. And then the agency dissolved, something happened financially to them where they fucked up and they were gone. And uh, so I did, so I, that all went away. So I had my hopes up and then it went away real early. And that's when I just went, you know what? You think you're good right now, but you're not even good yet. You have, this is just a, you know, having like a hard conversation with myself you know, I had to I had to go out and figure out how to a survive in Canada because if you're just doing dark and dirty comedy, the roads are limited. I had to go out and figure out how to work clean. That's how fucking amazing I- for a fucking country. It's amazing. It's 30, 30 plus million people, and you can't find a gig. I find that amazing. I get it though. We are when it comes to comedy, we can be really goddamn conservative. It's true, and and then so, but but the the but the audiences love it. That's the thing. The audiences love it. It's just. People are afraid to book someone that might rock the boat. They're afraid yeah, of offending yeah. the one person. And and in my experience, the vocal minority, as we talked about, and I don't mean minorities, I just mean I <laughs> the, the, the... But even that, you wouldn't have had to say years ago, no. I know you, you know, didn't mean minorities, you didn't, but I felt the need that you had to say it too, right? I was just here's kidding. where we are. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, the ones that complain are always louder, like we said. And I remember, you know, producing a show and uh there's box office complaints and the person who was also involved with it was was getting really rattled about these two or three box office complaints and i was like how many people were at the show they're like 300 i'm like yeah so 297 people enjoyed (laughs) themselves and three fucking pussies are crying (laughs) tell them to fuck themselves (laughs) like that's sorry You know, yeah, not even not kidding. Tell them like, exactly that. I, I totally agree. We're not all going to like the same shit. And 
too bad if you don't like it. Find something that you do like. Yeah. People trying to have their cake and eat it too. Oh, we'll have all mild comedians on that don't break any barriers and yeah. we'll try to sell out every night. But that that's won't right. jive. That's, that's why the pendulum's coming back. Yeah. Yeah, how did exactly. your parents... How'd your parents react when you were younger? Uh, Mom and dad, I don't really want to pursue my degree or whatever I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to tell jokes and laugh on stage. What did they think of that? Well, they were cool. They, my parents supported it. You've met them too, right? So, you know, yes. like, you know, that, they, that they're, they were, they're unbelievable, by the way. They reminded me a lot of growing up. Your, your whole situation did is more parallels than not when it comes to our families. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. And, and it was, no, they were great. My dad used to drive me to shows when I, cause I didn't have a license back then. And uh, he would take me to, to shows when I was. Why saying, didn't you have a license? I just didn't get my driver's license until I was Jesus 22 Christ. or something like that. 22? So, what are you doing? You... Yeah. Well, I had a license. For no, occurs. A... You weren't on a milk I... farm somewhere. You know what happened is this. I, um, I had my license, uh, like the G1 I had. Do you, do you have the same thing in Newfoundland? Um, yeah, I know what you mean. You get your yeah, learners, they yeah, call it whatever. So I have my, yeah, so I have my learners or whatever. And then to get the one where you can drive on your own, I had to go take this driving test. But the, I was live, where I was living was north of Toronto. And then my parents moved back up even further away. So like I had no one in that area. And I was living in Toronto going to school at the time. So there's wow. no way I could go. To, I couldn't go to the place where I was going to take my driver's test. So I just said, fuck it and just never did it. And then I ended up getting it like a few years later. But yeah, it just it's funny. Long. I came in. Yeah. It, you just said you're in downtown Toronto. You're, that makes total sense in my mind going yeah. up in Mount Pearl. And then while I was getting my drivers, I was in Quinell, BC, town of 10,000, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Prince George is an hour and a half away. That's close. I guess that got maybe 60, maybe even not. So when you're in places like that, I mean it, I almost get beat up if I didn't get my license when I was 16. What the hell are you doing, Noof? What the fuck? You don't want your license? There must be some reason for that. You know, because everybody wants to drive the car. I get it. I've never asked anybody in a big city. Makes sense. I've only ever been a designated driver once in my life. And uh, I, I attributed that to uh, waiting so long to get my license. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the Dave Letterman uh, gig? Is this something or is it nothing? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Do, do you think that gig itself was something or was it nothing? Which gig again was that? Well, he used to do a thing called Is It Something oh, or yeah. Is It Oh, nothing? his gig? Yeah. Or, mean, his little bit there that he used to do. I mean, it was something. Everything Letterman did was so ridiculous. I, don't, I love Did he that. have an influence on you? Big time, big time. Well, that's actually one of the things where I started honing my writing is I would write like David Letterman top 10 lists when I was a kid. And I was like, believable. Wow. Um, so tell us about that. that was, I just love David Letterman. Would, would yeah, he been what your first, who was your first love when it came to comedy? I might've been Letterman. Actually. That's why I asked you. It's in my yeah. subconscious. I don't know when you ever told me this. I think we had a few beers or something. Yeah. I got David Letterman written down. I, I wanted to get to it at some point, And here it is. It very, very well could have been Letterman. I, I loves Adam Sandler, the Sandler albums that he did, um, you know, with the What the Hell Happened to Me album. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. They're all going to laugh at you. Those, those respect. Is there, get, yeah. is there a bit on respect. that called Respect? It's probably yeah, my favorite of any of those. I used to have the Jerky Boys, uh, oh, yeah. the Adam Sandler, like all of those. Oh, and that, stuff, that's still. <laughs> so still I'm, doing a, I'm doing a sketch comedy album in that vein. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm writing it right now 
and uh, putting it all together. So, oh, but that those are huge influences on me. I remember that, but those are fun because they're comedy albums you weren't supposed to listen to when you're a kid, and <laughs> you know they're laced with foul language and <laughs> you know obscenity. I love that you listened though, because a lot of people oh, yeah. don't. I get, it, oh, yeah. A lot of people would never like my Spotify. I often I post the music, but I have a whole playlist of comedy, and I throw that on at least once a week when I'm good. You know, all the classic bits too, right? The Carlin obvious layups, seven things you can't say on television. Richard Pryor, he wouldn't be allowed into a club now. But anyway, I don't mean because of Richard Pryor, just his his, his material. God, that if your stuff is freaking people out, yeah. But he oh, yeah. came out with the heroin bits and stuff. Oh my God. Um, but and then. Oh, no, it's it's true though. Those albums, they they're they're so cool. We were in grade seven. We went to Ottawa on like a class trip, and we stayed in this like this youth hostel, which is like the old prison. And so we're staying in this like this uh, prison cell, but we have like a cassette player, and someone brought the Adam Sandler thing, and we're just cracking up laughing all night at this Sandler stuff, man. The all the the stuff he was doing. Because if you look at all like the new stuff that Adam Sandler does. It's nothing compared to what the shit he was putting out back then. Yeah, he, the Generation X kind of cool comedian that came up. Oh my God! What, what is it with comedians and that they can totally change? Like Eddie Murphy, he's doing Delirious, he's doing Raw, and then like within a decade, he's uh, uh, Doctor Doolittle, and he's doing Cal these. Uh, yeah, it's all kid money. movies. Adam Sandler, money. Right, <laughs> yeah, money. That's yeah. it. Like the, there's a big difference between like there's a difference True. between like dirty comedy and clean comedy what you get paid to do a corporate it's just like movies right like a rated r movie you're not going to make as much money as a disney box office blockbuster True. so it's often so, not a, a personal choice it's a financial choice it's very much so i mean and yeah who doesn't want another Ferrari? <laughs> I suppose Robin Williams. Yeah. I mean, cause the comedians are versatile. Jim Carrey. I'm thinking it. Yep. And that, I think that's what I'm getting at. A lot of people, I was going to ask a similar question, but I'll bring it up now. Uh, don't you find that? Cause a, a, a person like Adam Sandler. And if you look at Jim Carrey, when he started with Ace Ventura, they're doing, I can go on and on. Yep. They do these things that are almost immature-ish, but they're funny. A lot of people would consider them childish, and then they slowly, right? They slowly come along. Carrie puts out the mask, right? Okay, now this is not quite as. Then all of a sudden, the cable guy. Whoa, there's some darks here, and then all of a sudden, like uh, yeah. Sandler's doing Punch Drunk Love or whatever it is. The, the most recent one was fantastic, and it wasn't a comedy. That's um, the arc, right? That's the yeah, arc. yeah. That's, so, that's, and that's I, I, I truly think, I think because comedians are versatile, like you're, it's hard to be funny, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people can't be funny. But I would think it's easier to teach Jim Carrey, and it probably doesn't even need to be taught, it's just innate, to, to go the other way. You know, if you're going to yeah. act, I guess it's assumed you can probably do that. And a lot of people, and look at guys like Robin Williams, like, you know, they're, they're often deep thinkers as it is. Um, no real question here. Do you find that? You know, do you come across people that might be more oh, yeah. dramatic than it seems on stage? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah, it's, there's a versatility. I mean, it's comedy's comedy is just one tool in the in the box right so when you when it comes to acting i mean some guys are just just themselves right and then yeah, other guys yeah right. they can they can definitely shape shift some is it a goal for you um i don't know if i'm I have like a big goal in like the acting side i like writing a lot like i like creating i mean i i love producing shit too like i've produced stand-up comedy albums and specials for other comedians right now which is 
that's been a, a fun uh, side hobby that I, not even a hobby, but it's God, that part is, of my business. But it's, you could uh, come here and do something live from Sundance or something and have like three or four Newfoundland comics there. I'm just spitballing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I love I love that stuff. I love doing, uh, yeah, I love working with other comedians and like, you know, helping enhance what they do in in any form you know some guys they if when, when they record their spe- their show or whatever i don't have to do fucking anything but other guys it's like okay if we move this here this here and then next thing you know it's have you been here even better I've never, I've never been there dude I've been to halifax is the the furthest out there i've been and i think I've it's been- an idea i think we should do it live at green sleeves actually my good buddy stephan yeah. hancock I hang out there a lot. We'll do something at Greensleeves. You and I'll talk. I'm not. I'm not yeah. shitting either. No, let's do it. Um, what do you have? Like, a, what's coming up? Like, what's your plans now? Since we don't really know when this is going to end, or you know, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be a long time. We don't know what the situation's going to be. Situation's going to be till it ends. So, what are you planning on doing? Just much of the much of, of the same stuff. Yeah, a bunch of podcasts. Again, I'm working on the the sketch comedy album, so that's something that I'm uh, creatively involved in. I have a few albums I'm still producing uh, with other comedians who they recorded it before the lockdown. Um, so I'm working on those things, and then uh, yeah, just uh, you know, how much? How much of the album is done? How much have they done, or like how, how much like, of the album is already done? Oh, so like. It's all like been recorded. Now we just, we've mixed it and now it's, we're in the editing phase and then I have my special and stuff. I have a few, like a few digital project, like projects that I'm shopping around too. So there's, you know, I have a nice little vault of stuff that I'm taking out there, which is good because yeah, no, there's no new. What is your, before I forget, cause I will at the end, I'll forget. And we do have to wind it up soon. I didn't realize I had you 50 minutes already. Um, and I apologize for that if you got somewhere to go. But um, oh, that's okay. I got nowhere to go. I was. What was I just? What were we talking about? What were well, we, we were just, just talking about? What am I gonna? What am I doing while this is? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So your your comedy album. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Your I was gonna say your Instagram. Tell people your social media contacts because we oh, got to sure. get that out there. I think your Instagram is brilliant, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> at Tyler Morrison one two three on Instagram. And then Ty, at Tyler Morrison one on Twitter, you can check out uh, my comedy albums at uh, cottagecomedy.com slash shop. If you go to the shop, that's where the shit is, man. And then uh, I do have a tylermorrison.ca, but it's uh, I'm, I'm redoing the website. I got to get that back and back in business. And how does your, uh, no, that's fantastic. Uh, everybody, you should check this out. I mean, it, one of the funniest people I know, definitely probably, Funniest person I know personally. Um, uh, no, no problem. I love the gigs. What do your family think of it? How do your How about your daughters? Well, they, yeah, they have fun with it. My my daughters, um, the youngest one doesn't understand what it is, but my oldest daughter, she loves. She how old is she again? Five now. So, so they're they're coming in now. Yeah. So yeah. she's just brimming. She's getting to know the world. She can, you know, she, she got a mind of her own. She's forming oh, a personality. Yeah. And she sees Daddy on stage. She won't get the jokes for a while, not all of them. But I, no. I, you selectively take those. You, you're very selective in what the material you show her, I'm sure. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure she. Th- their favorite movie's Wayne's World, so they've been watching Wayne's World and <laughs> Wow, <laughs> Ehrman. Unbelievable. Like- <laughs> Wayne's World. It, I would never have thought that, but I can see how it would be entertaining for a kid. Of course, I they love Garth. Yeah. How did Fight Stories start? Your podcast. Okay, so One Fight of. Stories podcast. It is uh, John Moses, who's another comedian. Him and I, we always. Uh, We've been friends for a long time, and every time we're together, we end up telling fight stories. And he was saying that he wants to do an album, uh, like a comedy album, of him telling five fight stories that he's been in, two two wins, two losses, and a draw. And I said, well, what if we did it as a podcast? Then we could keep it going and get other guests on and hear their stories. And because we're always just, you know, that's the most fun part of, you know, whenever we're doing podcasts, these ridiculous stories come up. And he's got a bunch of them. And I have a, I have a few, but he has more. Um, but it was just, it was just kind of, yeah, let's do that. And we, so we put this podcast together and we started going around, we were doing stand-up shows and we go into the bar in town and like Kingston river, go, who's the toughest guy in this town? And someone would be like, Oh, you got to meet Pierre. And then, so we're like, get us Pierre. And then we're just interviewing these tough guys and, uh, hearing like these crazy stories. I mean, an example of one of the funny stories that came out that I was told, and this wasn't by one of our guests, but it's. It's just a story that I heard, and I was like, this is a perfect story for Fight Stories podcast. There's this guy, his name's Billy, and he's out at a men's league tournament playing hockey. And I forget where, what city they're in, but they're staying in this hotel, and a bunch of the teams are staying in the same hotel. Well, Billy gets a little liquored up, and he can't find his hotel room. So he's walking around the hotel, knocking on every single door in the hotel, trying to find his room. And everyone's telling him to fuck off. You know what I mean? Comes up to this one guy's room. The guy's like, buddy, it's not your room. Fuck off. Don't come back. Sure enough, Billy does the lap around the whole hotel, comes back to this guy's same room, knocks on the door again. The guy opens up the door. Just listen, pal. I'm telling you, you knock on this door one more time, I'm going to fucking drop you. So Billy's like, all right, all right, walks away. Does the whole hotel again, comes back to this room, oh, yeah. knocks on the door. Guy opens up the door and just bang, punched him right in the face. He goes down. There's a whole commotion. Every, all these guys come out of their hotel rooms and they're breaking up the fight. And uh, someone gets Billy back to his room. The next day, there, it's, 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 more, it's the morning at the arena because it's an all-day tournament type thing. And uh, he's standing in the lobby and one of his teammates goes, Hey, Billy, see that guy over there? That's the guy that punched you last night. He's like, no fucking way. He goes, yeah, that's the guy. So Billy goes and he, um, sure enough, someone's pulling into my fucking driveway. <laughs> Billy goes into, uh, he goes into like the, the vestibule, like the little foyer that you walk in, you know, yeah. with the sliding doors at the arena, the yeah, front yeah. of the arena. So he's waiting in there and this guy that hit him is coming, walking through and he's got his hockey bag and Billy just jumps right on top of him, just starts punching him in the face, starts up the lawnmower on this guy, has him on the ground, just driving. Oh, my God. Some lady's like, stop, stop. He's only got one arm. Oh. (laughs) Billy stops mid-punch, looks up at her and goes, yeah, that's the fucking one he hit me with. (laughs) Goes right back to work. <laughs> oh, that works on so many levels, and it's true. Yeah, so these are like the type of stories that we're looking for. Anyone that you know out there, if you got a good fight story, we want to hear it. You can come on our podcast. Like we'll have average Joes on. We have pros and average Joes, um, hockey fighters, MMA. We had Ken Shamrock, UFC champion. He's 
sitting in my buddy's living or my buddy's uh, dining room table doing the podcast with us. It's amazing the uh, the type of people that we've been able to have on and like have my dad, my buddy's dad, who used to be a boxer in uh, in the UK in like the seventies and stuff. It's just so fun to do. Oh, it's brilliant! It's just brilliant. I bet you that's all uh, on YouTube. In the whole first two seasons. It, it it must be fun. I mean, that must be a blast. I think so. I think it's. I said to I said to John. I said, listen, if uh, if I could never do stand up comedy again, this is what I want to do. I would do fight stories because it is the it's the most fun that I have other than doing live comedy. So but oh, we've had great. some some wild dudes on there and you know they you always feel i always feel like a pussy after every episode because i'm like <laughs> used to think used to think i was tough and then uh you have some of these guys on <laughs> find out how not tough i am <laughs> the last guy we had on he's like he's like yeah so i bit this guy's eyebrow off <laughs> oh yeah uh, okay. really have anything to grab onto you know <laughs> <laughs> my god yeah Here's another one that I wrote down last night, Stone playing GTA. Would you rather be an ape who was raised by humans that finds out he's not human? That would be pretty depressing. Or an <laughs> eagle who became conscious and smart and aware of his existence at the age of 18. The thing is, eagles only live to be 20 plus years, so he doesn't have much time left. Would you rather be the eagle soaring around Conscious like a human, like smart like a human, but oh fuck, I only got a few years max. Or the ape that's pumped, like he wants to date Lori. You know, he's like fourteen. He's been raised by humans, and they're really hairy humans, so he doesn't really get the difference. There's no mirrors in this hypothetical world. And then all of a sudden, he finds out, no, you can't date Lori. You can't date any of us. You're an ape. What would you rather? I mean, I would rather be an ape because you could still jack off on a monster truck tire. Yes! <laughs> and that, my friend, is the correct answer. Circle gets the square. <laughs> Thanks very much. Do you have any time left? We, we could leave oh, yeah. it here. I, I have no, a couple no, no. more questions to ask, and I'm sure yeah. the people out there would love to know. Sure, yeah, um, I got nowhere so, to go. Uh, I mean, we, I, I was doing the comedy circuit uh, a few <laughs> years ago, like I mentioned, and I think people... The way I've, I've, I've explained it so far before this, and I, actually we gave you a good mention on the Peter, Andrew Peters show the other day, uh, is that I ran into you, but that's not the case. Even though I was doing the comedy scene, you enjoyed hockey and the hockey stories and asked me to be on fight stories. That's when we really bonded. I don't know if before that we really met. Yeah, uh, it, was, well, it was my old podcast, uh, Rude Dudes. The, the, Rude Dudes? Yeah, Rude Dudes. Okay, yes. Yeah. So I've been on Fight Stories. It was just in November. Okay, that was Rude Dudes. I forgot about that. In any case, we got talking, and yourself, Rob Pugh, what's the other dude's name? Uh, Jarrett Campbell and Tom Jared O'Donnell. Jarrett Campbell, of course. I, we, I kept in touch with, with him for a little bit, and they're, they're funny guys. Um, but you guys seem to have an idea what I was talking about. So are you hockey fans? And if so, if so, who would have been like your favorites? Okay, so obviously um, Wendell Clark and Bob Prober are my two favorite hockey players Deadly of all time. Picks. Both, just the total package, right? Both guys could uh, could do it all: hit, fight, score. Didn't give a fuck. They're forces of nature. That's what I like. Yeah, people okay. who, you know who back it up, and they and like I love the the forward motion of players who will go through anything that is in their way. That is a goalie, anyone that gets in the way. Those guys are. 
you know, unstoppable forces. Good. And I bet you're a loud fan that drinks beer at the games, which oh, is fantastic. Course. Yeah, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, old school hockey fan, which shouldn't, in my mind, be old school, but it's, it's, it's old school. Yeah, uh, I don't watch it anymore. <laughs> were, were, were you a Leafs fan or a Detroit fan or what? Yeah, I was a Leafs fan. I was a Leafs fan. Uh, you know, you got to – we had some tough years, but there's a few uh, good runs that the boys had. Yeah, had some tough years. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Leaf 93, Nation. 93, 94. Tough we years. And yeah. then Sundin, they took, Sundin took them deep a couple times. Even, even, even now, because of all this craziness, and the Leafs always find a way. Like, the most recent – <laughs> way they found a way was David Ayers, right? And then, you yeah. know, the classic up 4-1 to in the third period the other year. But, like, you know, it's been years since someone got 50. Matthews is only three away. He's not going to get that. Now. Like, it's just like there's yeah, yeah. always something. I was getting ready for, for Leaf Nation. I can't say I'm, like, part of it, really. I'd love to see him win. I'm not, like, attached to the Cabs at the hip. You know, the, yeah. I, I cheer for the Habs because it, the longer the playoffs goes, I'm allowed to use the alumni room so I can fly up and go to a game. Really yeah, exactly. <laughs> I appreciate the way they treated me, but I'm no more of a Habs fan than I am a Columbus fan. But uh, the the Leafs, you know, there's something in me. I'm like, you know, give Toronto a buzz, please. You know, the Raptors <laughs> happened. Like, let's just at 47, and now he's not going to do that. Like, yeah, I remember I was doing stand up back when the Leafs were fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Um, oh, it's D- Darcy Tucker. Um, I had a joke about like because I used to cut Darcy Tucker's grass. Yeah, you told me this. Muskoka. Incredible. He's, he, <laughs> he was my roommate. It's good, right? It's, it's incredible when you brought that story out uh, of yeah. all the people you could have mentioned. Yeah, and it was uh, the joke was uh, I'm like if you've never seen Darcy like I cut Darcy Tucker's grass uh, at his cottage and and uh, in my landscaping job and if you've never seen his lawn at his cottage, it's absolutely immaculate. The place looks like a golf course, which is great because it should remind him of playoffs. <laughs> you must have used this on stage. Keep going. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is the joke. Yeah. So so I did this this joke, and then I and the other joke was uh, um, Darcy asked us when we were doing this property cleanup if we had a leaf blower. I said, "Sorry, Darcy, we didn't bring Pierre Maguire with us." <laughs> That's pretty good. And then I get tapped to do the Darcy Tucker roast. Um, probably like five or six years later Man, this and, is much, uh, i haven't seen any of this or heard any of this by the way is this out there uh no it's not like it wasn't re- really uh out there i did film my set the, the room wasn't a good like good for acoustics it was a really high ceiling but i mean i could send you some of the jokes anyway but i i, I definitely had a good uh good uh, good run at the darcy tucker roast that was fun Wow! I got to do that joke in front of them because <laughs> because it was at the road. How did it go over? Oh, it went over great. Darcy was cool about it all. He was he thought it was he thought it yes. Was fun. I mean, he's a chirper, man. He, oh yeah, that's why I watch roasts. He's and an intense guy, man. He's it's, he's it's whenever you're you. He's really intense. He's really yeah. intense. I Darcy's it's, the type of guy. If he didn't play hockey, I think he'd punch you right in the face. But he, hockey kind of teaches you that chirp thing, and he's great at it too. So. You know, you really do learn that. I don't know if I'd have thick skin if I didn't play the game and be in the dressing room with the boys. You know what I mean? Like, guys trip you every fucking day, but the size of your dick to your fucking hair, to your fucking looks, everything. So you got to really learn early as the comedy world. Yes, I'm not saying that you don't. You're, you're from the same, come from mm-hmm. the same cloth. So I, often when I jab people for not getting it, you know, I got to realize that, you know, if I didn't 
have to be in that dressing room and, you know, go around with the boys and, you know, they really, it, it's a term of endearment usually when you're roasting. <laughs> um, yeah. But has anything when you're doing the roasts with, I know I asked you earlier about like general public, but sure. has, has one of these so-called celebrities, has any one joke say about Gilbert Gottfried or anything come back to bite you? Come back to bite me. Not bite you in publicly, but have yeah. they been upset? I'm trying to think. There was not, I don't think anyone on a roast got upset that I know of. Like, I've definitely tuned people up, but I haven't had anyone, you know, go come and say, or I haven't, I did, no, I did have, uh, I did do a roast once where I think the guy was, was upset after, but he never made it known publicly or whatever. It just kind of got back to me that he was, he was down in the dumps about it, but that's, there wasn't a, yeah, there wasn't anything too bad. There, okay, they know what's going on, I guess. You're going okay. to, you're, you're walking in with your eyes wide open. I mean, it's a roast. They're going actually, to say bad things about me, mommy. Like, you know. Okay, I mean, so this is horrible. This is actually something, I just remembered this. There is one that got, I got, I got into a guy's head pretty bad on this one. Um, <laughs> one of my buddies, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he was, uh, same as Dave Martin. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fucking rights. No, he, we talked about this. He had a serious XM show, and, and about four years later, after this roast, he, he's like, "Oh, you were on that for a while." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. But this is a yeah. different show. So okay. he has me. He has me on. It was four years after this roast. He's like, "Why did you guys? Wh- how come every single joke you guys made about me, you're saying that I was like a, a child molester?" And I said, "Well, th- he, like, he's like, is there a rumor out there about me or something?" I'm like, "No, I just told everyone before the show every joke we make about you is going to be about how you're a child molester because it's going to get in the, it's going to fuck with your head." Okay. <laughs> and he's not a child molester. Holy <laughs> fuck! You I can beat his name out on it if you on this if you want. But he's you know he's a good dude actually. And and but that was the just a, like a a prank that we played on this guy at a roast. And like I think the the joke I did was like I'm like Dave's like the Kool Aid Man, <laughs> he'd go through a wall just to put his juice in a kid's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but like we're just unleashing on this guy, and he has no idea. Like he's sitting there like, what? Why are they saying? Why are they? Oh God, do they know something I don't? Oh, Jesus Christ, I love it. And yeah. I know I'm gonna get emails about this one, but that's fucking great. I stand. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing funny about the act, but like, <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I know, but just joking about the act and picturing a Kool-Aid man in a child molestation situation. <laughs> There's so much funny about that to me. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, that was one where there was a little bit. Um, uh, Screech from Saved by the Bell was on a roast. And here, that was a guy I was trying to like, get, I was actually trying to like get in his head. I wanted him to get pissed off because I heard he had a bad reputation. And uh Oh, and nice. he was the nicest guy. <laughs> he was so Where was nice. This? Where would you do that roast? That was the roast of Ron Jeremy. And it was in Toronto. And Screech was on the dais, Dustin Diamond. And, uh, and I thought for sure. I actually wrote all his jokes, but he didn't use any of them. Really? Uh, yeah. And he, you know, it didn't go as hot as it could have for him. But he, he, was, uh, he was so nice. And I thought he was going to, you know, we thought he was going to be a dick. Then two weeks later... I think it was about two weeks later. That's when he got he got put in jail for stabbing two guys in oh. Milwaukee. So it could have been me, right? Good or maybe I was the guy that caused it. I, I don't want to roast anybody that I know can potentially have it in them to stab 
multiple times. Yeah, maybe First I pushed stabber, him over the I'm not roasting you. <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna take credit for that. I I pushed him over the edge. <laughs> That's actually, and arguably, you could make a, a good argument that that would be resume worthy. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you're a comedian. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any more time. I got to. I promised yep. my daughter in these in these times. Don't get out much. It's pouring rain, but the bubble that I we have here, my daughter's in it, and she's hungry. So I'm going to go get her a pizza, and I'm going to shove half it into my own cake hole and play some GTA. Right on, and, man. Uh, it's been great talking to you, and uh, much like my last few guests, I'd love to have you back again at some point, and we're going to talk yeah. about that off air. I think. All right, cool, man. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me, buddy. And uh, yeah, maybe bleep out uh, the comedian's name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, Who knows what's on his hard drive, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he is a child molester. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Fuck. Oh, well, uh, on that note, it's been great talking to you, Tyler. (laughs) Thanks, Terry. Talk to you soon. Later, buddy. Bye-bye. And there you have it, Tyler Morrison, great, uh, great guy, funny cat. Check out his stuff. Probably have him back again at some point. I've always wanted to get together with Ty and do a podcast of our own, or maybe a traveling show or something. I don't know. There's something there. So that guy's, uh, he's got some stories, but uh, when he catches on in a club, man, it's it's just great. Uh, he's, as we discussed. I don't want to use the word, use the word controversial, but uh, he's got some stuff that just treads the line, and I find it just hilarious. If I haven't mentioned that already today. But anyway, yeah, that's Ty. Check it out, and uh, thanks again, buddy, for coming on. Man, I had a couple of stories to tell uh, and a couple of routes. I wrote some notes down during the week. Because I never really know what I'm going to talk about on here. So sometimes if I hear a quote, and I love this quote. I encourage this so with my daughter. I've only started recently, but, uh, you know, quote of the day type thing. Um, could be a song, lyric, a movie, a line, whatever. But this is from Eleanor Roosevelt. And uh, I thought it was appropriate. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. Anyway, think about that. Um, Song, I always forget to throw a song out there. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but every time I hear this song, it reminds me. So anyway, I I was um, in Boise, Idaho in 2001, and the Blue Oyster Cult were playing the Super Super Bowl party. So we got in. It was great in Boise because there's no um, professional teams within hundreds of miles. And I think the closest might be Salt Lake City with again, minor league hockey and God knows what else. But it's great because there's not much else going on. Whereas, you know, if you're, I don't know, um, the Brampton hockey team in the East Coast League and, you know, you're right in Toronto basically, so you're not going to sell out every game. There's an interest, but, you know, there's the Leafs, there's concerts, there's, oh God, university, hockey, basketball, everything. There's football, there's Anything you want is usually around the big centers. So even though the minor leagues are there and they're supported well, in places like Boise, it's bonkers. 
they love you, right? It's something to do for the town. And then there's certain places in the States that I probably don't even realize that hockey's huge. At one point, I read Texas had the most professional hockey teams in the world. So go figure. In any case, we, the, we were on the Steelheads, and we, um, we got in to a lot of these events by trading tickets and whatever. No different this particular night. So we're at the Super Bowl party at some Don Cherry's type sports restaurant. And anyway, the, the Oyster Cult got up and played. And they mentioned it when they were introducing this song. And then afterwards, we had a chance to talk with a few of them and um, just quickly over a beer. And one of them, I wish I could tell you who, I don't even know their names. I'm, I'm a moderate fan. I got one album. I, I really, my favorite songs by the Bloister Culture, Don't Fear the Reaper, and I'm Burning for You. They, they do have more. Those are probably their two biggest hits, I'm assuming. But anyway, the Blue Oyster Cult had that song called Don't Fear the Reaper. Now, you guys probably know it as the Cowbell song, right? It took a whole new meeting in the late 90s when Christopher Walken, Will Ferrell, they would, they would do the, this skit on Saturday Night Live and they would refer to it as, as the Cowbell song. Uh, anyway, there's one famous clip and it's out there on YouTube. Check it out. But anyway, so it's when people hear it, including myself, sense that there's a comic level to it. And anyway, this was 2001. So that parody had already been done. So they were on stage kind of explaining it. So anyway, from the perspective in the song, when you, cause you know the words, but just in case you haven't interpreted them, uh, it's, it's a guy that gives a suicide note to a girl, his girlfriend, and he's trying to convince her to take his hand and join him in death, right? That's why he's saying, don't fear the reaper, 40,000 men and women every day. He's talking about dying. Uh, we can be like they are. Come on, baby. Romeo and Juliet live together in eternity. We can be like they are. Anyway, it goes on and on. So the first two verses, I believe, are exactly that. They're just like off of a suicide note. Their, their lyrics are words from that suicide note to this girl. And the final verse, they talk about, you know, the, the wind blew open and then he appeared saying, don't be afraid. That's the reaper, but it's death. So death is saying, don't be afraid. Take my hand, right? And they ended up jumping out the window. Anyway, I, I keep saying on here, I'm such a big fan of music. And on Friday nights with my dad doing the Instagram live thing, we often get, well, we get far more, response from music to be honest at that point because i think people are unwinding on a friday night so i figured i'd tell you some small yarns here and there about songs and songwriters that i came across in my journey and that's one that and the song is haunting too it's very haunting the, the song matches the mood of the lyrics and there's not too many songs that i can say that for so powerfully one of them is dust in the wind and i'll tell you about that one next week by kansas encourage everybody to stay safe and eat well. And I, I heard some complaints listening to our local show here, Open Line, and going online and Twitter, you know, basically reading social media. I'm doing that a lot more lately. Uh, sometimes, honestly, I just use it to selfishly to promote something because uh, I don't have time to take in the opinions of every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and there's a lot of shitty opinions out there, but I do try to keep informed, so I keep up, you know, with when I can, and two, maybe three days a week, I say, okay, I'm going to go through social media and not post anything, not just, I'm just going to read and, and, and try to take it all in. Note to anybody out there voting or for politics or anything, again, I won't 
say which side I'm on, but I will say that I, I, I don't stick to one side. You know, I listen to all the information. Uh, because if you do, you're, you're living in a bubble if you only listen to one side. Uh, so in doing that, I've seen some people bring up that, you know, food is, is a lot of foods becoming more expensive. Let's just say for an easy argument's sake, meat, uh, you know, supply and demand that happens. And some people are commenting on it's hard to eat healthy and it costs a lot of money. But honestly, you can be creative. I don't really think, I never did. And a lot of the kids that I train have brought this up before or I have trained in the past, whatever. Not like now we're doing much training other than solo bike riding, but I think you can. Like a banana, I <laughs> a banana is thirty cents. Uh, you know what I do? I go to Costco and I buy. So there's like these little packages of chicken. It's real chicken, like chicken breast cooked already, and it's in say there's a big package of ten little packages, right? So each one is a serving. So you know if you don't have time to be a gourmet chef every night. Get those, throw them in there. Now I get some rice, I'll get some pasta and, and throw in. So one night rice, one night pasta, whatever, pick your sauce, right? And then you can get ready-made chopped up vegetables. You don't even have to put in that much time. You walk into any local place here, the grocery stores, I like to go to Coleman's, I like to keep that, keep it local. Um, you know, but at any place, Dominion, Sobeys, Coleman's, wherever you're going to go, you should be able to get, you know, either at the very least frozen broccoli to throw in. It's not expensive. Uh, I go to the front and I get the chopped up. I like mushrooms, onions, and uh, peppers. So in the morning, right? So those come up at Coleman's. It's a buck fifty to get a serving or two already chopped up, right? So you, you take that, you throw it in with breakfast, add egg weights to it. You throw it in at supper time, add the chicken I was telling you about, and... Uh, pasta or rice to it and that's not expensive and fruit depending on what you buy but you can like i said a banana is 30 cents for the most part you can eat well and i feel i should say that if it even if that information you know is absorbed by anybody because this thing is taking advantage this coronavirus is taking advantage of people that their immune systems can't handle that you know that they don't have good immune systems. So, you know, you can change that. If you smoke, I encourage you not to. If you're not active, I encourage you to go walk. If you already walk, I encourage you to bike. If you already bike, I encourage you to walk and bike. And it's not hard to eat healthy. You know, you can go to the grocery store now. You probably want to go a little less frequently. But go and load up on some healthy things that aren't expensive. The more Doritos and pop, greasy, deep-fried fat shit you put in your body, the, the, it, it takes time off your life. That's the way it goes. You want to live to be 100? Not everybody does, right? Not everybody does. The who certainly don't. Roger Daltrey, what did he say? I hope I die before I get old. But... <laughs> I do want to live a long time, and coronavirus or no coronavirus, I do think it's a problem with society today, and I don't think I'm being political. I'm taking a side. Health is health. 
And I often sometimes question when I look at TV and I see the, you know, um, what's her Lizzo and Cardi B and I get it. I'm not knocking their music, whatever. It's not my style. Although I don't mind some of Lizzo's stuff, but I mean, I I get it. Be proud of your body, but you know, you've got to be a lot of pop tarts, man. A lot of big Macs going in there and that's not healthy. I don't care what you say. If you've got some kind of genetic disorder, whatever, I'm not saying the look, God, big, small, whatever. I've got them all in my family. My friends are big, small, medium, all of the above. All shapes, all sizes, all colors. Bring it on. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be proud of whatever body you got, but health-wise, you should watch what you put in there. And this thing, I'm, I'm looking further and further and deeper and deeper into the abyss of what's YouTube and I try not to be negative but I look in these states that are opening up and they're showing hospitals and the people in there yeah people say they're old but it's not all old old a lot of the time because they got something else going on and their body's just aged more can't fight it there's a lot of smokers a lot of people that aren't 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 healthy a lot of obese a lot of people that aren't active you don't have to be fat I know lots of people that aren't they're not active they have great metabolisms but they eat like shit Right, and they, you know, they have health consequences as a result. Anyway, not to be fucking morbid, but I just can't listen to it anymore and fucking not put in my chime in my two cents somehow. You know, trying to get on my mom. You know, mom smokes. If you if you're 67 and you smoke, I don't want to be morbid, mom, but you know that the coronavirus is going. It's hopping around now. It's out there. It's hopping around. Right. It's out there. Everywhere you go, someone might off something. You might touch something. There is a chance. Everybody in the world, when you leave today, your house, fuck, there's a chance if you just stay in your house. Watch, uh, you know, it depends on who you let in. This is fucking nuts. And each cigarette that you have, talking to a lot of my buddies too, I'm certainly not shitting on you. When I drink, when I get on the booze, I'll have a smoke once in a while. And I smoke a lot of weed, although lately because of, and they say it's not bad for your lungs, but I don't know, man. You're putting stuff in there. You're, you're lighting stuff, and you're, you're pulling it in. I know it's not nicotine, but it can't be great as opposed to just ingesting it. Then again, I'm not a fucking doctor. Um, anyway, just, yeah, just a heads up. Eat right. Feel right. Look right. Be right. Be healthy. Uh, what else? I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something right now. Southern Scholar makes superior dress socks for men. They've reinvented the dress sock to form fit to your foot and stay up your leg. They're guaranteed to be the best dress socks you've ever worn or your money back, and I can personally attest to that. Use promo code THPN for $5 off your next purchase. That's Southern Scholar Socks. They're awesome. Also, Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined. The website, www.pennyposhdesigns.com. Check it out. Great stuff. Like I said, $129 hoodies. They're now $69, and my father and I will both throw in a signed picture. How about that? Uh, Anything else to talk about? I don't think so, man. We're, We're pumping out two of these a week now, so I'll be back in a few days. Thanks for the support. I see our numbers are steadily improving. And that means that a lot of people are saying positive things, and I really appreciate it. 
because I talk too much anyway. So this is a way to take advantage of one of my flaws. <laughs> Thanks again. We'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. Bye.